Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome, Welcome to Warriors Wrap-Up Wrap up. on 95.7 The Game. Ryan Covey with you. Warriors lose in their season opener, 125-99 the final as the Brooklyn Nets do in the dubs in this one. Uh, 888-957-9570, that's the phone number to participate in the program. You can also send us a text at that same number, 888-957-9570. Ryan Covey, it was ugly early, not a lot of defense, a whole hell of a lot of Kevin Durant looking like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving right there with them, 40-25 at the end of the first quarter. Steph Curry did his best uh, to to try and keep the Warriors hanging around in the first half, but he didn't have much help. And there wasn't a lot to really talk about on the positive end other than the way the game finished with James Weissman taking advantage and making the most of some garbage time uh, to the tune of getting himself comfortable, 19 points, 7-13, knocked down a three. Uh, Rough night for the Warriors in their first action in a little over six and a half months. Yeah, no way around it, JD. It was uh, it was the Nets' night. You could tell they were up for this thing from the from the jump. Kevin Durant looked spry, looked real excited to be back out on a basketball floor. And you know, look, that's a deep basketball team. We knew it was going to be a big ask. We were hoping that it could stay competitive. It wasn't. It got away from them early. Look, if Andrew Wiggins and, and Kelly Oubre are going to go seven for thirty combined on a nightly basis, uh, the Warriors aren't going to win a lot of basketball games. They're going to need some secondary scoring. Uh, you know, it wasn't Steph's best night by any stretch either. He only hit two of his ten three-point attempts. Warriors didn't hit their first three uh, until the first, the final minute of the first quarter. Uh, and at that point, Brooklyn was already cooking. Man, Kyrie was in a rhythm. Uh, he was attacking the cup, and, and the Warriors were were a little slow-footed defensively. I felt like all night uh, they weren't switching. There was just a lack of attention to detail, and they were a step slow. And when you're a step slow against a team like Brooklyn, who was really motivated tonight, they're going to make you pay. And at one point, the Warriors were 0 for 7 from 3, and in that same moment, the Brooklyn Nets had already knocked down 7 three-pointers. And the Nets wind up hitting 15. The Warriors did end up with 10. Nobody, though, had a rougher start to this one than Andrew Wiggins. And you can put Wiggins and Oubre uh, in the same category in terms of of shooting, and and the 7 for 30 is, is brutal when you combine the two both a minus 28 on the night, and Wiggins did wind up with 13 points. 
but uh, he just looked lost. He looked like he was having trouble with his handle, uh, and and he floated again at times where what he wasn't doing much, and you just wanted him to be more aggressive, and it just wasn't happening. If we're going to be judging Andrew Wiggins on, on a night-in, night-out basis, and I know Joe Lacob had said, hey, how Wiggins and Oubre go, the Warriors go, yeah. and I think that's fair. It was a rough night for both, but it felt like Oubre, again, the way he has his bad game leaves you with a little bit of a different taste in your mouth than the way that Andrew Wiggins has his bad game. Yeah, because Ubre brings uh, a certain level of intensity. You can tell, you know, whatever you want to call it, emotion. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, there was, a, you know, there was a level of indifference. It seemed like out there tonight, and that's kind of the way he plays, even when he's going well. Uh, but it just—he was definitely lost out there, as you said, and. There was just a, a lack of focus by Wiggins tonight. And, you know, there was a couple opportunities. I mean, he missed a couple of wide-open threes, but there was a, a period in that first quarter when the game was kind of starting to already get out of hand and, and Wiggins had, you know, a bunny underneath and just pressed it off the glass a little hard. And you're like, okay, this guy's just not engaged in this basketball game right now. And when you're going to ask him to be your number two scorer and just, you know, play starter minutes for this team, he's going to have to defend on some level. He can't just be a total liability. Uh, you got nothing from him tonight, straight up. And if you're going to get nothing from Andrew Wiggins, when you don't have Clay Thompson and you don't have Draymond Green in your lineup, you're probably going to get smoked, especially when you're playing a team the caliber of the Brooklyn Nets. So, you know, it's, it's kind of two isolated variables, if you will, from EJD. One, the Warriors played like crap tonight. They stunk. They deserve to get beat. Uh, when they play like this, they're basically going to lose to anybody in the NBA. The other side of it, though, Brooklyn Nets, that is a damn good basketball team. They're deep. Uh, they look like they're they're going to be looking to go places in the East this year. Uh, and shout out to KD. He looked healthy as all get out. He looked spry. He had that hop. Uh, Kyrie looked good tonight, too. Hard, hard to knock their play tonight. I mean, they were hungry from, from the opening tip. They just wanted it more, and they whooped the Warriors' butt. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570, Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game, John Dickinson and Ryan Covey. Nets beat the Dubs 125-99 to in Brooklyn, so the Warriors now 0-1, and uh, they'll be on to Milwaukee. They'll take on the Bucks on Friday morning, Christmas morning, right here on 95-7 The Game. Yeah, Durant and Kyrie Irving just looked absolutely dangerous uh, offensively. And, it, and it, frankly, it just looked like two teams in, in, in two different tiers. Uh, you have one team trying to figure it out, a little bit shorthanded without Draymond Green, some new pieces. And on the other side, it just looked like two excellent basketball players playing at, at an effortless just pace and style with a whole lot of young talent around them. Uh, the, the Nets were, were impressive tonight, and I'm with you. I, I mean, it, you know, we're one game into this thing, and, and that's kind of what I want to get to in a second here as it pertains to the Warriors. But there was a lot of questions. Is How's it going to look with, with Durant? How's it going to look with Kyrie? Uh, all the young pieces that, that were kind of cast into new roles for Brooklyn, it, it all seemed to fit, but Durant and Kyrie were the two that set that tone. Yeah, without question. And look, these guys both had this game circled for a while. And 
I don't, I don't think it really mattered who it was that they played tonight. Uh, you know, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, they wanted to get that thing off to a harmonious start regardless. And, oh, yeah, spoiler alert, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, they're both pretty damn good basketball players. Uh, and both of them have had their share of success against the Warriors over the years, uh, to say the least. And so the, the Warriors thing kind of inconsequential as far as those guys desire to come out and, and make a statement. But, hey, look, there wasn't a lot of interior defense being played either. They were attacking the basket at will uh, in, in the perimeter defense was lacking i mean if we're really you know while we're at it i mean the warriors just weren't good at any level tonight um so it, you know when, when you hit that many wide open threes i mean you look at it even after the first quarter jd and it was clear to anybody that this game was on ice after 12 minutes uh, you, you just knew the warriors weren't going to be able to climb back especially knowing that steph curry was going to have to rest to start the second quarter in the five and a half minutes that steph didn't play to open the second quarter the warriors scored five points so uh it, it only got worse from there but you know you look at the end of the first quarter warriors only had three turnovers but they were nine for 27 uh and and they ended up hitting a couple of threes but you look up all of a sudden uh the the uh the nets hit seven threes in the first quarter they have a 21 to 6 advantage from beyond the arc i did the math that's 15 points guess what the lead was after one 15 have 40 to 25 so uh nets hitting their threes you know we see that in the nba a lot jd the team that you know hits the most threes tends to win and uh we definitely saw it again tonight and it just got away from them early i would have liked to have seen a little more fight you know in the second quarter and on into the second half but uh the 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 nets were just bringing it in waves and i then lavert got going and uh you know guys like joe harris i mean that's a deep bench that they have there and and you know they wanted to, to make sure they had a good showing for steve nash and his coaching debut as well Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. We'll get to the phone lines here in just a second. The, the question that I have at the top of the show here: Does tonight change anything as far as how you view this team uh, coming into the season? And I'll just set the tone and, and say it doesn't change much for me. Uh, we've talked a lot these last couple of weeks, specifically about these first two games and with the Warriors primed, I think in many ways to get, to get off to a slow start with all the new pieces and, and now Draymond out and not knowing what they were going to get from James Weissman uh, tonight. Uh, and, and you're playing two of the top teams in the Eastern conference. So to me, it was a tough ask that they were going to win either of these games off the jump and that this season opening road trip, really it's not sexy to say it, because I think the Warriors and their fans are so used to prime time like tonight and, and being one of the marquee matchups on Christmas like they're going to be on Friday. But the, the truth of the matter is this Warriors team right now isn't going to be beating a lot of the big boys in, in the NBA. And whether or not this team can stay afloat in the early going and continue to grow and get better. And there were some signs of, of that potential, especially from James Weissman, who we're going to get to here uh, on, on Warriors wrap-up. But uh, it's just this whole thing is going to hinge on a more competitive effort Friday in Milwaukee, but also being able to come out against the Bulls on Sunday and the Pistons on Tuesday. And that's the real barometer for me because – you got to be playing at a level where you can go in and win a couple of those games on the road and show that you're getting better. And if you can, hey, you know what? Then this team is is probably right about on schedule for being around 500 with the potential to be uh, a little bit better than that. So I'm I'm not taking tonight as oh my goodness, this team's awful. No. This team's far worse than I expected him to be. It was a bad night for an under talented team compared to the one that Brooklyn puts out there. Yeah, no question. And and the good news is, J.D., I mean, you could look at this half full or half empty. 
the Warriors missed a lot of open shots. I, I, I mean, I, I counted in the first quarter alone uh, eight miss open misses. Uh, you know, Wiggins had four of them in his own right. Steph had a couple. Ubre, Pascal, Wiseman, uh, they all missed wide open shots. You know, to, to varying degrees of difficulty, just as far as the range. But you know, by and large, guys were left open, and you know, the the, the Nets were content to let these guys shoot. I mean, it, early on, the ball movement was actually decent. They got open looks. They just didn't hit them. I mean, you know, Steph missed a, you know a couple of threes that normally you'd hope that he would make and you know it got to the point where you're trying to keep pace with the nets and it's like trying to trade haymakers with mike tyson in his heyday like that's that's not that's bad for business long term you need to slow that thing down a little bit and you know it was clear brooklyn wanted to go end to end i mean they put up 40 on you in the first quarter that's not going to be conducive to to warriors winning basketball games when there's such a discrepancy uh from talent on one side of the ball and the other all right, you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco, a radio.com sports station. John Dickinson and Ryan Covey, Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. We're going to hear from Steve Kerr coming up here momentarily. Also from Steph Curry, hopefully James Weissman as well as the Warriors lose in Brooklyn 125-99. to Let, Let's get to Javier uh, in Vacaville on the phone lines as he gets his tipped off here on Warriors Wrap-Up. Javier, you're on 95.7 The Game. What's up? How are you guys doing today? Good, man. What's on your mind? So, like I've been saying for months, the Wigan experiment, like I predicted, he's an EOD type of player. I have players in college, my coach would call him EOD because they give every other day type of effort. If we're going to continue down this experiment, and I got Mr. Dickinson, I'm not trying to be really disrespectful at all, but I called, and he scoffed at things I said regarding trade proposals. This is what we're going to go down. We're going to go inconsistent, and, oh, his defense that he brings and perimeter, you know, uh, you know, length, all, that's nonsense. This is what's going to be. We're going to rely on him to consistently deliver when he's showing one thing, consistently being inconsistent. For him to be relied upon the second score, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to finish about 36 wins and out of the top 10, and, and I said, I would trade right now Wiggins and a future first and probably even Pascal now because the prices went up for a Buddy Hill and Nemia Bielisa. And if not that, you're going to need to go get a second score if you want to make the playoffs. If you want to just take this year to develop Wiseman and wait till Clay gets back, hey, so be it. But these, all these games, these shows were like, hey, we got a bunch of hope. They're not going to have hope with Wiseman being 19 years old who's a kid. He's not even old enough to drink an alcoholic beverage. And Andrew Wiggins, who's looking at a player that's going to give you 15 one night four for 16 from the field, and he'll give you 25 the next, and then 10 the next, and five the next. But then I say, Buddy Hill would help this team tremendously. All right, thanks, thanks, Javier. That appreciate the phone call. That's that again. We, the the hypothetical trades. Like I, I take your point about Wiggins being an every other day guy. Yeah, thanks. And for the if hot that's going to be the case, if that's going to be the case, then it's going to be real problematic for the Warriors. But here's the thing: you're not going to pay extra. To, to, to basically get rid of Wiggins. Like, the Warriors are not anywhere near that point where it's, hey, you're going to pay a first-round pick. If anything, and Wiggins' value goes down, Ryan, then you're just going to have to ride it out. And if you're not as good a team as you think you're going to be, you need to hang on to that draft pick. You know, maybe the Minnesota pick and your own pick next year if this thing does go awry. I'm not, I'm not willing to go down that path yet, but this point of you have to react and rid yourself of Wiggins – we're not to that point either. Yeah, there's a reason why Andrew Wiggins was available in a trade and you were able to swing D'Angelo Russell and get a first-round pick in the process. Like, 
it's not an attractive contract. And you have to do the, the forensic analysis on this, how the Warriors got to this position. They didn't want to let Kevin Durant walk away and get nothing in exchange, which is the prospect they were facing if they didn't do a sign and trade. So essentially they gambled on Russell trying to create an asset out of nothing. Uh, and then now that's turned into Andrew Wiggins in a first-round pick. It's going to cost him money, okay? But it's it's Joe Lacob's money. Like he's got the money. And look, Andrew Wiggins, we're we're talking about a cup of coffee here. Like he he spent what he played twelve games with the Warriors at the end of the year last year. So that was game thirteen with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you know, he still hasn't got to to play with, with Steph and Draymond at the same time. Uh, let's just. Let's just slow down a little bit. I think we all know who Andrew Wiggins is. He's an inconsistent player, but he's also got some talent, and you just you just have to see what it looks like. Like, of course, am I am I expecting Andrew Wiggins to take some quantum leap this year and be this dog at both ends and, and find a, a strong measure of consistency? No, I'm not. I would be pleasantly surprised if he did, but I'm not expecting that. But you hope that on the nights where he does bring his A game on those every other games where he is good, J.D., the other stars align as well, and the Warriors can do enough to get a win. And on the nights where he's not quite there, he's not quite good enough, you get the requisite contributions from the Oubres and the Wisemans and the Baysmores and the Wanamakers and the Pascals and the Pools and the Currys and maybe and the Draymond Greens, and maybe you still find yourself winning a basketball game. So it's not it's just too early to say one way or another, but I, I agree with them as far as you know, Wiggins being inconsistent, so does everybody that's ever watched him play anywhere any time it's just unfortunately who he is and I think the Warriors believe that a full season with Steph and Draymond and and Steve Kerr and and maybe Weissman and and playing in a different system with different expectations they they think that they can coach that out of them and that's the gamble that I'm not saying they're going to be able to but that's the the bet that they're making with themselves in acquiring him. They, they didn't acquire Andrew Wiggins to be what Andrew Wiggins has been throughout his career. Tonight, that's exactly what they got. They acquired Andrew Wiggins with the belief that they could tap another level, uh, at least, a, 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 I think, a semi-more consistent level than what they've had to this point. And if it doesn't work, then that's going to be on them. I, I just don't see them chasing this thing, especially if Wiggins value goes down like if it's one thing if he plays at a certain level and you can find a deal and and there are other players that other teams are willing to to trade I mean maybe role players or bench players if Wiggins is going to play like he did tonight those deals are going to be off the table like you can't get Buddy Heald and Nemanja Bialica right now for for Andrew Wiggins if Andrew Wiggins is going to play the way that Andrew Wiggins played tonight even if you are attaching a pick to it and you're not going to attach a pick that's a great pick to it if you're the Warriors because that's still your best means to, to potentially get better uh, at some point down the line. So not not the effort that anybody wanted to see. Uh, and, and, again, the temperament, I think, with Wiggins is something that is going to be maddening on the nights where he doesn't play well for Warriors fans. But at the same time, I, I think we can't get carried away with thinking that you're just going to be able to fix that problem on the fly. The way you fix it on the fly is Andrew Wiggins being able to level up and, and be somebody a little bit different than he's been to this point in his career. 888-957-9570. Warriors wrap up. John Dickinson, Ryan Covey. Biggest takeaway from the ball game tonight. Uh, how impressed were you by James Weissman? He looked confident. He made mistakes to me, Covey, but he... He looked like he wasn't afraid to be on an NBA basketball court for somebody that hadn't played a, a meaningful game in a long time. 
And he also used the time at the end of the game to get even more comfortable. Stretched it out, hit a couple of jumpers, knocked down a three. All very good signs, I think, as far as the development goes for James Weissman tonight. 100%. And that's the one thing you can hang your hat on tonight. James Weissman looks the part. And, yeah, a little timid at the outset. But I said even, you know, from the opening tip, just the way he ran the floor, uh, he got that dunk for his first NBA basket. That's what you want to see from him. Attack that basket. Be aggressive. And, you know, I know he had the offensive foul. Of course, he's, you know, when he ran the floor, I thought, oh, that's close. But it's his first game. He's getting called for that. Like, it was an all, you know, it could have gone either way. Uh, If he's Anthony Davis, he's probably not getting called for offensive right there. But since he's James Wiseman, who's been in the NBA for about five minutes, uh, yeah, you're you're getting that call against you right there. Um, But I think it was a good baptism for him tonight. You know, he went up against some good bigs uh, and Allen and and DeAndre Jordan. Uh, You know, he got to see what a guy like Kevin Durant looks like up close and personal, the way he moves the floor. Um, You know, we talked to Tim Hardaway earlier uh, on the pregame, and, you know, he he – echoed the same sentiments that I had about not having Draymond out there hurt tonight because, you know, just an opportunity to work with Draymond and, and he can kind of be that coach on the floor, um, you know, helping him along. But just from a, a, a raw athleticism standpoint and looking the part, I mean, 19 years old, forget about it. Like this guy, he's already one of the best Warriors players. I mean, that that was plain to see. He was he was gifted from the basketball god, some very special attributes that provided he stays healthy, those are only going to, to harvest and grow as this year goes on. And Sky's the limit for this kid. He is the real deal. All right, let's hear from Steve Kerr uh, as he reacted to this one. Warriors lose to Brooklyn 125-99 as uh, he weighed in on the rookies' debut for the Dubs. Yeah, well, he played He played really well. He looked great out there. I would have preferred a, a game where we actually were in the game and, and uh, playing at a competitive level, but uh, – Obviously, we got we got crushed tonight, uh, but James showed exactly why we're very excited about him. He's uh, he's a really talented guy, and he's uh, he's smart and hardworking, and he, he wants to, to 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 do well and fit in with his teammates. So uh, he's got a got a bright future. Regardless of of some of the flaws we saw tonight with this Warriors roster and and areas where certain players have to play better. And I, and I think they will. And, and again, they went up against one of the better teams, I think, in the in the Eastern Conference tonight. One area where the Warriors can most dramatically get better the quickest is if Weissman continues what almost feels like exponential growth at this point. Is that is that too strong of a statement? Because a week ago, we're thinking this kid just gets out there. He He's probably not going to play in the opener. And and here we are tonight. He's starting in the opener. He's he's playing more minutes than I think you would expect. He winds up getting 24. I mean, 24-25 was, was almost the best-case scenario when we were talking about him on draft night. That seemed unattainable a week ago. Yet here we are, and some of it, of course, is circumstantial because of the blowout. But the mere fact that Steve Kerr was comfortable enough starting him, I think, tells you a lot about where the Warriors think he is and the level that he can reach pretty quickly. Yeah, he played as much as Kevon Looney and Marquise Chris combined tonight. Like, that's that's great news. It's a terrific start for James Wiseman. And I think that it was validated in the sense that we saw James Wiseman do some things tonight just from a, a you know a, a physicality standpoint and a raw athleticism standpoint that 
Just the other centers on the dubs aren't capable of. Quite frankly, not a lot of centers around the NBA are capable of. So, yeah, sky's the limit for him. I just I, I love, you know, his his first step and just the way that he runs the floor. And, um, uh, you know, that, that stuff, uh, the, the, those little edges will get smoothed out, J.D., just kind of knowing where to be and uh, just getting a little more innate sense for the speed of the game. I mean, think about it. You played three college games forever ago uh, at Memphis, and now you're playing – in the NBA uh, with Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. There's, there's you know, NBA titles all over that floor tonight. Guys going to the freaking Hall of Fame, you know, at least two of those guys, probably three or four, uh, and, and there you are out there, you know, holding, holding your own out there in your first NBA game at 19 years old. Uh, really couldn't have gone better, and I agree. Like, that garbage time tonight now doesn't have to be for not. You know, normally fourth quarter, okay, you're playing out the string. Let's not get anybody hurt. Let's pack it in. Let's go home safely. You know, Steph only ends up playing 30 minutes tonight. Okay, you live to fight another day. Uh, but you got to use that time for James Wiseman to, to get a little more comfortable at the NBA level just to just to get used to that speed and that spacing, man. And, and I think all in all, on a night that it was a real punch to the, uh, to the junk, uh, that, that was something that you could feel positive about was his debut. I'm telling you, this kid's going to be a stud. Tim in South Carolina joins us here on Warriors Wrap-Up. Tim, you're on 95.7 The Game with John Dickinson and Ryan Covey. What's up, J.D.? What's up, fellas? I'm calling from North Carolina, actually, Jay, but it's all oh. man. Uh, all right. My screen said uh, South Carolina, so I, I apologize for that, my man. How you, how you doing? I'm good, brother. I just, I, you know, I'm not overreacting. I just thought I'm big thing here. I want to ask you, J.D., that I wanted to comment on why. Then why can't Molder get on the floor when it's kind of more important time? Like, I mean, every time the guy gets out there, he makes shots. I mean, I know he's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, but he's got long arms. He looks, you know, he's long out there. I mean, I mean, it seems like it's a fascination of, with, with Toscano Anderson, and he won't even take a shot. I mean, he just, I mean, he, he, you know, I understand they're trying to use it for defensive purposes, but like you guys said, that first quarter, the game was still around a three to six point game, and I mean we missed about three or four wide open shots. I mean, if, granted, I mean if our guys if they made those shots, yeah, we could have just kind of maintained and stayed in it. I mean, would we have made them at the right the rate that the Nets were? I mean, I don't know, but I mean it was like three, four, five in a row, just wide open. But Molder only gets in at trash time, and then every time he gets out, he makes his first two or three shots. So I wanted to ask you that, JD. Another thing about Wiseman, man, I mean. If you know the game, you saw some things out there that just let you know, like, hold on, this guy just went out there off a of sheer athletic ability, no preseason, no practice pretty much until the middle of last week. And, I mean, you can just see it. I mean, you can see it, man. I mean, that's going to be scary. I mean, I mean, like the first step, bringing the ball down the floor, yeah. making a shot. And, I mean, dude, this, this guy is going to be nice. And you can also see when Draymond is out there, Draymond is going to throw him lobs all day long. You can glaringly see Draymond was missing tonight, um, just from kind of what he brings and initiates and swinging the ball and things like that. But just wanted to ask you about Molder, J.D. I mean, why can't the guy get out there? At least give him a shot. I mean, we got guys missing shots all over the place. I mean, every time Molder goes back to last year, when the guy gets on the floor, he just makes buckets. I mean, I just don't understand. I mean, I, I watch the team a lot. You watch them a lot, J.D. Can you just tell me a little bit about that one, Molder? Yeah. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the call. I, I, I think, and I tweeted this out as Mulder was in in the fourth quarter, I, I, I would have given him some of Lee's minutes at the end of the first quarter. I would have given him Jordan Poole's minutes at the top of the second quarter. Uh, and, and I think he is going to play more. And, and Steve Kerr 
addressed that a little bit after the ball game. He said that there isn't a set rotation as of yet. Uh, he knocks down the open shot, and he just does very basic offensive things very well. He, he'll knock down an open shot. He'll he'll fake a guy and drive. Uh, and and he's got a pretty nice offensive game. I think he's a willing defender. Uh, but he's just a little bit he's a little bit small, and so you you almost have to exclusively use him as a two guard. Uh, and you know, as far as Toscano Anderson, I mean, Juan Toscano Anderson was basically playing the four. He he basically saw minutes tonight because Eric Pascal was ineffective. I think banged up, and you didn't have Draymond Green out there. So it's two different positions. But as far as Pascal, or I'm sorry, as far as uh, Mulder. Ryan seeing time instead of Lee or Poole or maybe even at times Bazemore, I, I think that's going to be on the table because he he just fits exactly what the Warriors need more of, and that's somebody that can knock down a shot and, and, and open up the floor a little bit. Yeah, it gives you scoring, and let's face it. Uh, you know, I mentioned when Steph was off the floor to start the second quarter, almost six minutes of basketball. The Warriors scored five points. Uh, they're going to need to get that scoring from somewhere. Steve Kerr knows that, and nobody separated themselves. You know, any of the bench players tonight separated themselves where you would say, oh, yeah, they need more run ahead of Mulder. I mean, you know, Mulder, he's always kind of had that ability to, to score, and he can put the ball on the floor a little bit. He's a nice shooter. He can get hot. Uh, and, and you're right. You know, the only thing holding him back was he about six four, about a buck ninety. So he's only going to be able to to guard guards. Uh, so you got to be careful switching him on anybody bigger. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you know, they, Steve Kerr's not in a position where he can quibble about that kind of thing. He's he's going to need to find scoring on that second unit. Uh, the other thing I want to hit on too, you know, James Weissman and the caller just mentioned it. Like this is this kid had zero preseason activity, hardly any practice. He scored 19 points tonight. J.D., I, I think we can both agree that Marquise Chris had a really nice year last year, right? What a, Good story, played a lot of minutes. Marquise Chris only exceeded the 19-point plateau twice last year. And, you know, it's like this is his first NBA game, like with zero, almost no preparation, coming off of the COVID list, for God's sake, and the dude rolls out and almost gives you 20 in his NBA debut. Like that's what Warriors fans should hang their hat on tonight. And, and you know, Mulder is going to get more run. Absolutely. But James Weissman, the real deal. Absolutely. And he passed my first litmus test because my first test was the night he was drafted. Maybe one of the first things I said to you as we were doing the show uh, following the draft was it's a win if Weissman can, can come out and immediately walk on the roster and be better than Chris and be better than Looney. And it looked, it looked like that wasn't going to be possible a week ago, uh, just based on the circumstances. The, the COVID issue, obviously, lack of practice time. He still did it, and he still scored 19 in his in his debut. So that that is a very good sign. And yeah, no disrespect to Chris, who did have a nice year, but but you're you're not you're expecting a lot more and quickly from James Weissman when you spend the number two overall pick on him compared to Marquise Chris, who, yes, was a top ten pick, but somebody who looked like he was borderline out of the league until the Warriors picked him up. Look, you're trying to overcome from just an offensive standpoint. Like, let's let's just take the D out of it for a second. From an offensive standpoint, you're trying to overcome the loss of Clay Thompson uh, and, and that kind of shooting that you're going to get. Obviously, you know, him and Wiseman, it's, it's apples and oranges as far as, you know, the position they play, the game that they bring. But offense is offense at the end of the day. And if this kid – I mean, because what did we want from him out of the jump, J.D.? I said it on the pregame. 
protect the rim, set screens, you know, be a good defender, right? Uh, you know, set, uh, do all those little things. Don't get in foul trouble. Like, to me, the offense was going to be a bonus, but he had a silky touch. And, and the thing that I really like and that I think we're only going to see more of is there was a real willingness out there. Like, he wanted to initiate the action, right? There was no timidness. And the first quarter, I saw a lot of timidness from the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they, you know, they were doubling Steph Curry, as we're going to see a lot this year, rightfully so, trying to be real physical with him, especially when he tried to attack the basket. Uh, you know, they they were – that's what Steph's going to see a lot of. And, and the other guys are going to need to step up. I saw a little bit from Oubre, saw a little bit of that fighting him, but that was basically it. But uh, Wiseman was a guy that, you know, from, from the opening tip, you know, he had it with that dunk. You know, he's even a little ahead on the uh, on the opening jump ball. Like, I, I actually like that. Like, let's go. He was ready to rock and roll. So um, that's – if you're looking to overcome the, the loss of Clay Thompson's offense, like getting some offense from, from Wiseman, if he can be a you know 15-point guy, something like that, like – you take that all day because you were expecting, you know, I think we were all expecting, I don't know, maybe six, eight points, something like that. Like, if he can double that kind of output, that's a huge get for the Dubs. He had a couple of long twos. He hit a three. It, it was almost as if he wasn't totally comfortable testing that aspect of his game when he was out there at the start or when he was out there before it, it, it wound up being all right, game over time in the fourth quarter. Uh, but once he got into that point, he, it was almost like he shifted into a different gear, w- which I really like too. It was, all right, this game's over, but I'm going to try and work on some things. I'm going to try and show off maybe you know, parts of my game that I have in the bag that that maybe didn't fit when I'm out there running with Steph and, and running with the ones. Now, I think eventually he's going to get comfortable and, and probably pretty quickly with being able to do those things and finding his space in the offense with those guys. But to me, it was he did all the basic stuff, I thought, early, and, and you said it, didn't look afraid. And then he expanded it and showed off some of the some of the things that I think can separate him from being just a, a a good player to potentially being a great player down the line. If he's going to be knocking down three-pointers, if he's going to be able to, to, to knock down 18, 19-footers from the baseline like he did, I mean, I, I'm with Tim in, in North Carolina who gave us a call. That's a scary proposition if he's going to be doing that on offense in addition to the other things where he's so athletically gifted. Two words, transcendent big. I mean, I think that's what we're looking at here. And it, like I said, well, obviously we're scratching the surface. I mean, we're, we're one game into this. And it's, I still am just blown away by the fact that the dude had no preseason, hardly any time with the club. And, um, you know, sure, I, I know that there's plenty of skeptics out there that'll say, oh, it was garbage time. Talk to me when it counts. Sure thing. Well, it, it will start to count eventually. And, and you know, the, he'll be playing in meaningful minutes. But I, I think, if nothing else, he absolutely validated uh, Steve Kerr's selection of him in the starting lineup. I mean, clearly, that the message was sent to us, J.D., that Steve Kerr had seen in practice and, and with the runs that they've had in the gym, like, this guy is a cut above what anybody else that we have at the fives bringing to the table. And, you know, like, look, guys like Looney and Chris, they're not chopped liver. Like, those are great options. Chris can give you some scoring. Looney can can do a little bit of two, you know, from a, a you know a defensive standpoint and just, you know, being that veteran guy, it's not a it's not a bad backup plan. Now if it stacks up where uh, you know, Weissman's your your top center and, you know, an, an absolute juggernaut. And then Loon is the two and Chris is the three. Like, yeah, you know, all of a sudden that position's looking real nice for the Golden State Warriors. Some other areas, maybe not so much, but 
Tonight, the, the, the biggest takeaway is Weissman looks good. And I got to say this, too. And, and you tell me, J.D., Curry, they, you know, the Nets were real intent on playing him physical tonight. And these are the kind of games that I was talking about early in the you know, when we, when we were talking in the preseason. There's going to be some nights where Curry, because he gets most of his money shooting the rock, you know, from outside the arc, he'll just have an off night. And if he does, where he goes two for ten from three, where are you going to get that other scoring? And tonight, you know, outside of the 19 from Wiseman, most of that in garbage time, Steve Kerr didn't get it. So these are the kind of games that, you know, this is the, the, the kind of thing that we're worried about coming into the season. If Curry isn't dialed in, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, if he isn't shooting the ball well, uh, 20 points, but on 21 shots and the 2 of 10 for 3, as you pointed out, then that's not going to be nearly enough there for, for them to be in a game against a, a, a team as good as Brooklyn is, let alone win it. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. We will hear from James Weissman. We're also going to hear from Steve Kerr. Uh, really, what's your biggest positive takeaway Biggest negative takeaway from this one, uh, if you're a Golden State Warriors fan, Brooklyn wins it 125-99. to We're going to hear from Steve Kerr on Andrew Wiggins' night and his struggles. Also, James Weissman, more of your phone calls. It's Warriors wrap-up. John Dickinson, Ryan Covey here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, hey, this is Kate Scott from The Morning Roast. Be sure to tune in to Bonte, Shasky, and me for our breakdowns and our reactions to tonight's Warriors loss. We're with you tomorrow morning, 6 to 10 a.m. Now back to Warriors Wrap-Up here on 95.7 The Game. All right, John Dickinson, Ryan Covey here, 888-957-9570. The Nets beat the Warriors 125-99, to so the Dubs now 0-1 if the Warriors have lost the season opener for the fourth time in the last five seasons, their first action in 287 days. You know, the Warriors got throttled tonight. Brooklyn looks like they're at a different tier at this point, but it still was nice to to see the Warriors back out there playing for the first time in nine months. I mean, it was was long overdue, Covey. Yeah, it was like seeing an old friend. And then that old friend got their butt kicked right in front of you tonight. <laughs> but, yes, no, it's absolutely. And they, we all knew that this was going to be a tough ask coming into Brooklyn. No Draymond, uh, you know, with all the with all the moving parts and the changes, you know, because let's face it, like, say what you want about Kevin Durant. Oh, it's his first night with the Nets. Dude, he's Kevin Durant. Like, <laughs> you don't need to overthink that if you're Steve Nash. That is a classic. Yeah, just let him go out there and do his thing. Um, him and Kyrie look like they've been playing together for about 10 years um, so, uh, you know, for Brooklyn, and, and we already knew, too, they had some, some really nice pieces there. I mean, you know, I, I was like when, when we were, you know, doing the pregame and everything and, and kind of getting ready for that, you know, you start to look at, like, what they have at their disposal. I mean, you know, Joe Harris, he, you know, last year shot around 42% for three-point range. They messed around and acquired Landry Shamit. I know Shamit wasn't good in the playoffs, but, uh, you know, he can hit the three. Levert's scoring average has gone up every single year. Dinwiddie's got a nice mid-range. He can, you know, he's good at, around the cup. And uh, so, you know, you start to put all those pieces together with, oh, yeah, Kyrie and KD and DeAndre Jordan. And it's like, man, that's that's a deep squad they got there. A little Jeff Green, too, while you're at it. So um, Steve Nash rolled into a pretty cushy spot. The point is, like, that was that's a tall order for the Golden State Warriors. It, it, you know, being a little shorthanded, being, you know, playing on the road, opening night like that, set, you know, marquee game. Uh, so bad start, no doubt, but I, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of texts and people tweet me, Oh, this team's, this team's not good. And they got exposed tonight. It's like, 
Come on, man. Slow it down. Talk to me after 10 games. We can have an adult conversation about it. Right now, it's one game. Teams get blown out on the road in the NBA. It happens. You've got to keep our composure. Yeah. Thank you. And, and look, I, I'm going to sh- – because we're going to be talking about it tonight, and we're going to be talking about it Friday afternoon on Christmas, and we're going to be on Sunday after game three. I'm just going to I'm just gonna lay it down right now. Like I'm going to go from zero to 100 on this thing in terms of my concern level. I'm not concerned at all after tonight. I'm really not going to be concerned at all after the Brooklyn game. But if they can't beat Chicago, regardless of what happens on Friday, I go from not concerned at all to this is big trouble immediately. And and frankly, if, if this team isn't 2-2 two and two a week from tonight when we're doing the show after the Detroit game, that's going to mean that something happened to significantly throw this thing off course. Whether it's guys still aren't playing well that need to be playing better, like Kelly Oubre tonight or, or Andrew Wiggins, or somebody got hurt that's an important player and, and missed time, and because of that, this team was woefully undermanned, maybe similar to, to the way that they were uh, throughout the course of the, the 1920 season. They're getting the benefit of the doubt from me based on who they're facing tonight and who they're facing on, on Christmas morning. But, again, that only uh, – I, the, the benefit of the doubt runs out when you play Chicago and Detroit. And no disrespect to them, but that's the, that's the line. Like, if, if you said to me coming into this year, J.D., you taking Brooklyn, you taking Milwaukee – uh, you take Brooklyn or the Warriors. You take Milwaukee or the Warriors. Well, I, I, both those teams are significantly better than the Warriors. Right. But if you ask me the same question about Chicago and Detroit, I'd say no. That the Warriors are better than both of those teams. At least they better be better than both of those teams. So hey, uh, you get the benefit of the doubt from me tonight, but we'll see. I, I'm not saying those games are going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. No, and it's a road game in the NBA for a team, you know, heading into Chi-Town that might be 0-2. And you know, the Bulls project to be a little better this year. I, obviously, I don't think that they're, they're going to take some some quantum leap, but they, they're definitely more talented uh, than they were. And, you know, they got a lot of young players. You know, the Colby Whites of the world are a year older now, the Markinens, et cetera. So, um, you know, I, I think Chicago is a, a team with, you know, a good young nucleus that they're building around. You got Levine there, too. Um, so that's certainly not going to be an easy out. My point is they're capable of, of beating you up pretty good, too, like that. That offense can get going as well. So if the Warriors aren't going to defend, like they're not going to beat anybody. And and that was the the kind of the concerning thing. And I agree with you, JD. Like this isn't oh my god, the sky is falling. This is no, he lost to a really good basketball team tonight. But it was some of the little things. And this is where Steve Kerr, like it's, he's going to have to find this because last year, okay, you, you got you know Alec Burks and Gr three and you know a bunch of guys playing in the G League, like. You know, fair enough. You, you were not going to win a lot of games, and what do you know? You only won 15. But there is actually some talent on this team. This is an interesting text from from Greg in San Francisco, and, and I want to get your take on this, J.D. Well, let me just pull it up real quick. I uh, actually went to a different screen real quick. Um, all right, yeah, it's uh, – I just had it. It's about James Wiseman, and, and I'll just paraphrase. It's about Steve Kerr's – yeah, okay, some of Wiseman's points were in garbage time. I like him, but this is a three-point team, and Wiseman's a center. Centers and Kerr's systems just set picks. It's unlikely Kerr is going to tweak things to maximize Wiseman's growth and skills. <laughs> what are going to have to. Right. He's going to have to. If if Weissman is as talented as he looks like he is and looked like he was in that fourth quarter, he's going to have to change. He's going to have to run some some pick and pops for Weissman to get some open looks or to get a three. He's going to I mean, he's going to have to put him in different positions to succeed as he evolves into one of the Warriors' better players. I mean, he was there 
Was he their best player tonight? Second best player? I mean, I guess Steph was their best player tonight, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and even Steph was, I mean, I'm looking at the box score, 7 for 21 and 2 of 10 for 3. So if Steph was their best player tonight, because he was he's Steph, and we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, who was their next best player tonight? Uh, Weissman? Or, I mean, Michael Mulder had a good six minutes, but I, I don't. small enough sample size where I don't think you could run it to him in, in what was also garbage time. I mean, the, the best two Warriors tonight were Curry and, and Wiseman, right? Yeah, I, I don't. Even, I think it was Wiseman by a, a pretty substantial margin, actually. I mean, he, I, the, uh, I, I need two. more from Steph Curry. No, no he's oh, the best was, player the, tonight. Oh, yeah. You, no, Curry had no, a bad Weisman game tonight. was the best player tonight. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Curry had a bad game tonight. I, I don't think Curry, he was. He didn't do anything defensively. I mean, let, let's just be honest for a second. And, and I, I get it. Like, he has, to, he has to activate so much of what they do offensively. But, no, nah, Curry missed a couple of layups tonight. Like, he, Curry was never in rhythm tonight. He, he had a couple open looks. And I, I'm not going to turn this into let's crush Steph Curry. Like, I'm just saying. No. Like, it was a – Steph will tell you he had a terrible game tonight. Like, you don't, don't take my word for it. Somebody asked Steph Curry, hey, how'd you play tonight? Steph be like, I played like crap. Uh, no. James Weissman, this was he's 19. Like Steph Curry's going to the Hall of Fame. This was James Weissman's first game in the NBA. No question Weissman was the best player. That's that's literally probably the only thing I'm hanging my hat on tonight. And the fact that Brooklyn's pretty damn good. So what did you expect? I also thought Marquise Chris had a, a a solid game. I thought Chris was pretty good out there. And you know, Damian Lee, I thought, you know, fronted himself nicely. There was a little stretch where the Warriors maybe looked like they might get back into it, but you no, know, it was it was DOA basically from uh from the opening tip. But no, there wasn't not a lot of accolades to throw around tonight to say the very least. I want to ask you, what about Pascal? Because I, I know he's a little hampered right now, but I, you know, a couple people hit me up around this. A couple of my buddies texted me like he looked a little slow and out of shape. And I know you're used to Draymond starting at the four, and Pascal's a lot of things. He ain't Draymond. Uh, I don't know. It, he, I was hoping for a little more from Pascal tonight, just from the from the optics. The two most disappointing players for me tonight were Andrew Wiggins and Eric Pascal. They, they they were awful and they got cooked. And yeah, it was Kevin Durant, but and Wiggins and Pascal were the two primary Durant defenders early in the game. And that's when Durant just showed everybody that that he was back, uh, and and, and he was still playing at an extremely high level. Yeah, and Pascal's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, and I I just wonder how his game fits. Uh, with with this team as a good team, like we know how what Pascal was able to do on an awful team where he was a pleasant surprise as somebody that could put the ball in the basket with a bunch of guys that couldn't put the ball in the basket with regularity. But what's his role? And I think one of the questions is when you have somebody that that becomes the focal point on a team like the Warriors had, can you fit that game? into a box can you fit that game into a role where you're not going to get as many opportunities and you're still going to be as productive and as efficient while also allowing a team to win and and contend in games and I I need to see it with Draymond out there to where he actually gets in his role but I just don't know how he fits like one of the things I've really tried to to look at is, and, and as I've jotted down the rotation and different player groupings and things, and I know Steve Kerr after the game said he doesn't have a rotation, but one of the things I've, yet, but one of the things I've jotted down is, who are the guys that you want out there with Curry? And who are the guys that maybe you don't want out there with Curry? And I think it's pretty clear that that Steve Kerr, he wants obviously Draymond out there when he's healthy with Curry. He wants Ubre out there with Curry because Wiggins is the first guy to sub out among the among the wings and then comes back in when Curry's out of the game. 
Uh, he's played Dam- he played Damian Lee with Curry tonight. He he seems comfortable with Wanamaker and Curry, which I actually kind of like that that group, those two together. Weissman, I think, clearly by getting the start, you want to get a look at him with Curry. Um, but I, I think what it boils down to is I think Pascal's not a guy that I would ever put on that list, I guess right. is what I'm getting at. Like, it just doesn't seem like his game, his game is ISO at, at the 18 foot mark and try to drive or try and hit an open jumper. Like it just, yeah. his game doesn't really fit Steph's game. No, his game is half-court set, second unit, slowing things down uh, while Steph gets a blow, limiting the total number of possessions for both teams and maximizing you know, the most of what will be you know, lesser opportunities this year and, and hitting more often than not his open looks. That's, that's how Eric Pascal can help this basketball team this year. He's, he's miscast being in the starting lineup, but I understand why Steve Kerr did it tonight. I mean, you know. You only have so many options there, by the way, without Draymond Green. You know, who are you going to trust at the four there? Um, but you know, we'll see how he handles it going forward. Can you play, and, and I'm just throwing this out there, you tell me, can you play Chris at the four and and uh, Weissman at the five, or is that a non-starter? I think that's a non-starter. I think at this point, Chris and and, and and Looney and Weissman are all fives in the in the Steve Kerr system. I, they, what they, you know, what they really need, and I, and I think this is what you're getting at with with Chris's skill set. If if he's able to shoot from the outside, they really need a stretch four, right? And like they need Pascal, and I don't. That, that's not Chris, but they 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 need they need. They need I mean, I'm wagon, gonna, baby. They need well, the top wagon. Well, he I think he would be a more yeah, I mean he would work, but he he would even be more I think of a small ball five. What they need and and our guy Javier Vacaville is going to laugh uh when I when I bring this guy this guy's name up, but they need a Nemanja Bielitsa. Like <laughs> and, and I'm not saying go get him, but they need that guy that plays the four, moves the ball, but can shoot threes. Like that that specific player on this Warriors team would be frankly a lot more valuable than Eric Paschal, I think. And, and and look, I'm not saying I'm done with Eric Paschal or, or that he's not a good player or can't be this or can't be that. I'm just already wondering about the fit with the rest of the talent that the Warriors have, and I think the Warriors are going to have to evaluate that. And, and look, you want to get him in his normal role before you really can be sure, but I, I just feel like you want that particular role to be somebody that can knock down the three-point shot, and Pascal just doesn't do it consistently, and he kind of clogs everything up, and like you said, he just doesn't get his in a way that's conducive for everybody else. I mean, look, Steve Kerr went away from him. Steve Kerr started Juan Toscano-Anderson in the second half at the four. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about maybe some of its injury and Pascal, but but Pascal still came in. He subbed in for Toscano-Anderson, so it tells me that it was more about him not being effective than anything else. Yeah, he just he looked out of shape to me. And I know that Pascal, you know, kind of has that I don't say heavier look, but you know, he's got the kind of the 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 thicker arms and not thicker like he's yoked down. He just kind of looks like a like a bigger body dude and I, I don't know. I like that. Talk about his body mass index or his, you know, body fat percentage. I have no clue. I mean, obviously he's in much better shape than I would ever be, but he just he looked a little bit, you know, he got the big beard on, you know, and just I don't know, he just he looked a little lumbering and, and out of shape to me. He 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 never was gonna blow you away with his rampant athleticism by any stretch, but 
it just it wasn't the guy that I remembered seeing last year. He looked a little more active last year, and hopefully, you know, look, they're they're throwing a lot of these guys very quickly. It was a you know a, a really quick ramp up to the regular season. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new faces, and and I think Pascal too. I mean. What did we hear uh, this whole offseason, you know, and really all through last year? Eric Pascal was the only positive that came out of last year. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of, I don't want to say accolades, but there's been a lot of positive sentiments tossed his way. And maybe he's feeling the pressure a little bit, too. Like, I've got to be something here. And, you know, most second-round picks come into the league, you know, in, in their second year. they're not. There's not a lot of pressure on them. And quite frankly, there probably shouldn't be a lot of pressure on Eric Pascal, but because he was maybe the lone bright spot last year and had some success. I don't know. Maybe maybe he thinks he's already arrived or made the grade. There's Something was a little off tonight. And, again, it's, it's one game. I don't want to go crazy about it, but it's going to be something to monitor because I agree with you, J.D. I don't know about the fit. Um, I, I think it's more in a half-court set in that second unit of just trying to trying to keep some offense alive because that's, that's the most troubling aspect. Like, where are you going to get your other points, especially when Steph's going to be 2 of 10 from downtown? Eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Let's get to Sam. Sam joins us here in West Oakland on ninety five seven. The game. Hey, Sam. This is, yeah, man. West Oakland, Sam. Man, this is your, uh, you know, this is your favorite West Oakland native, man. What's going on with y'all, man? What's hey, going on, man? Good to see. A lot better now. Yeah. Look, hey, John. You went on a diet. You lost the weight. And the one thing, and I did the keto diet, right? And that's true. We, I all three of us I, did, brother. All three of us did, Sam. That's a good hey, point. Hey, hey, you too. Hey, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, man. I thought you was already, you know. I, I dropped 45 pounds, Sammy. I dropped 45 pounds, baby. All right, there we go. There we go, man. Hey, but this is what I mean. We lost weight, right? So the worst thing for us is empty calories, right? So what I'm saying, I say that to say this. <laughs> Wiggins is the most empty calorie player I think I've seen. And I understand how you guys are saying because he is a top draft pick, you got to respect the contract, got to match the draft pick, right? But uh, but everything in business, like like when you buy a car, your car is in, is instantly depreciating value. We're looking at a player that is depreciating value. On top of that, um, when Draymond comes back, I feel like he's going to irritate Draymond the most. Just off of what he doesn't offer from day to day on 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 offense in relation yeah. to what he could do defensively. If you're not good at one, what is one go to that Wiggins has? I don't. I can't call it. You know what I mean? And 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 I get it, it's game one, so we're gonna just be like you know like like you guys started off with with the pregame show talking about you know the Warriors get a pass with this game tonight because it's game one, so. You know, the Warriors get a pass. We're still trying. It's like buying a new car. Like, we're still trying to test it out and see what's going on. But I'm just – I know what Wiggins is, and I know what it looks like when somebody looks like they're good. He doesn't – he he hasn't done it when he played on the team on, on the Timberwolves where he had to be the main dog, and now he's on a team that already has a considerable reputation as for what we've done the past five years, and he's still not showing it. Right. I don't care if it's game one. He hasn't showed it even whenever he was supposed to be the main dog last year on a weak team. Like, um, it's just empty calories to me. And it's just like Wiggins, the thing that would irritate me is when you're on a basketball court and you're quiet by nature, but your game should speak for itself. Right. He doesn't yeah. have any of that. He's quiet by nature and his game is still not speaking for itself. So Sam, it's- I had the same thought tonight, and, and thanks for the call. I, I had the same thought about Wiggins and Draymond. Like there, there was a point in the game where I I had the thought, Covey, that 
oh my god, like Draymond might be screaming at this dude right now. Like, right. wake up! Yeah. Like, get, like, you know, let's go. You know, some dudes like you know, when things aren't going well, and from time to time, it's like you know, you have it no matter what your job is. You know, things aren't going well. Maybe you're working with a team, you're working with a crew or something, and it's like you just aren't bringing it. And and it's like you gotta you gotta set that tone. Like, and I just I had that thought tonight about Draymond with Wiggins. Like, there's gonna be times where Draymond may just have to undress him and and be like, dude. Let's go. We're like the game started a half hour ago. Right. But only when he's playing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, Draymond, let's uh let's get you out on that floor True. first, Draymond. But no, That's I a great I, point. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, hey, at least Wiggins put on a jersey tonight and laced up some kicks. Like uh, that's the the Draymond conversation is, is I think worth having as well, which is this is not a great start to the season for him in, in what's a, a very important year because you don't want that contract to his to turn out to be an albatross and you know he, he becomes this untradeable asset as well. I mean, Wiggins, at least if nothing else, is young. And, hey, look, okay, cool. Let this be a humbling moment for him tonight and let this be uh, you know exhibit A for anybody that wants to be an Andrew Wiggins attractor. And more to the point, that's going to be on the film. Steve Kerr is going to show it to him. Ron Adams is going to show it to him on the defensive end. And they're going to have a good long conversation about uh, you know bringing – more effort and, and things like that. And I, I think, too, with, with a guy like Wiggins especially, you can tell he's just he's not comfortable. And it's probably going to take him a little time. These guys, by and large, haven't played together yet either. And I think it's important that we recognize that. Like, three preseason games, he's only played, what, this was, what, his second regular season game with Steph Curry tonight? Never played with Kelly Oubre in a regular season game. Nobody's ever played with James Wiseman. So, Again, I'm not making excuses. There's a difference between a reason and an excuse. Like, there's no excuse for the effort that he brought tonight. But there could still be some reasons why this this thing didn't look like a well-oiled machine. And I think there's some pretty obvious reasons. So, with in that in that vein, you just you got to give it some time. And I know that's not what Warriors fans want to hear because his team won 15 freaking games last year. I get it. We don't want to watch a bad basketball team this year. But it's just going to take time. And then you culminate that, J.D., with this was, you know, we're starting basketball and, you know, a couple of days before Christmas. Like, there's no fans in the stands. we got a global pandemic going on. I know everybody's dealing from the same deck of cards. I get that. But this Warriors team's got a lot of new faces, a lot of moving parts. And Andrew Wiggins, even when things are going well, uh, can tend to disappear at times. So it's not a surprise to me that the dude didn't go out there and assert himself and light it up tonight. That's It's not a huge shock to me is all I'm saying. So, Probably have to gonna have to give it a little bit of time. Absolutely, you will. And look, if we're still having this conversation twenty games in, and it's my goodness, Andrew Wiggins has come to play in in five or six out of the twenty, and he's floated in another eight, and he's been just kind of okay in the other, you know, six or seven. Uh, then it's that's all bad. Like, it, look, the season started tonight. <laughs> And so the yeah. evaluations started tonight. And, like, like this isn't, you know, they got Andrew Wiggins because they thought they could win with Andrew Wiggins, that Andrew Wiggins could play at a higher level. So it's all fair game now. Like, we don't know the finished product. We don't know the final answer of what it's going to be. But, hey, he's 0 for 1. I mean, yeah. the Warriors are 0 and 1. And as we start looking at everybody else, we could run through it. You know, Steph, underwhelming tonight. Ubre and Wiggins. Didn't have it. Pascal, brutal. Weissman, liked what we saw. Other, you know, Looney, eh. Bazemore, eh. Damian Lee, eh. Chris, okay. Jordan Poole, eh. Wanamaker, 
he was out there for 21 minutes, didn't do a lot, knocked down a shot. Toscano Anderson, no. Like, like there just wasn't – there. if we're giving pass or fail grades tonight – Weissman's probably the only one that gets a pass. Yeah, no question. Maybe a couple of incompletes in there. I mean, I'll pass Mulder, I guess. Um, you know, the, he made the most of his opportunities, which is all you can ask a guy, especially sure. a bench guy that got seven minutes. So I'll give two passing grades tonight. I'd even, I'd even pass Curry, believe it or not, tonight because he was. I look. I actually went back and looked at it. He had, he had an awful third quarter. Uh, I mean, somebody's got to try to keep him in it. I mean, it, look, he didn't have a good game, but I don't think it was a fail. Uh, I guess is what I'll say because he was six for fifteen at halftime and then one for six in the third quarter. So I it, and didn't do much then and, and ended up with twenty points and then didn't play. He's washed, JD. So, He's washed. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Curry. I'm gonna say Curry gets Take a pass out. in the pass or fail. <laughs> yeah. All right. He it, it was a C minus game. It was a C minus game for Curry or a D. It wasn't an F. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I'm not going to fail the guy. You're right. I won't fail Steph tonight. But I think we can all admit, J.D., and, and he's going to have nights where he's going to struggle defensively because that's always kind of been his M.O., but he was he was uh, certainly not a factor, and I would even go so far as say a liability tonight defensively as well. Now, collectively, they were just awful. I mean, where was the communication? Where was the switching? And, and look, I, I know Kevin Durant can make guys look real average. I mean, when, when he had Pascal out on the wing and he had that driving dunk, I mean, Pascal literally just stood there with his arms up. And it was like, Katie's like, oh, this is just like, I try. yeah, this is just like taking candy from a little baby, man. And, and he just dunked it on his grill. Actually, it wasn't even on his grill because he shot by him so fast. Like, but Pascal was still standing there going like, oh, what? Uh, so, but collectively, the, the effort defensively tonight was not good enough across the board. I thought Ubre tried to bring a little bit of energy and, and, you know, a little bit of fight because he knows that's his role. And I think it was, he was almost like in a fight and he took a couple of haymakers. He was like, oh man, like this is my job. I better, oh my God, this is kind of getting away from us. Like I better get into this. And like by the time he did, it was, nah, it's too late, player. Like the, the Nets came to ball tonight from the opening tip and you guys didn't. So you got to take your medicine now for the next, you know, 44 minutes. Um, but it, I, I saw a little bit of fight in Ubre. Um, so I'll, I'll give Ubre a little bit of credit in that respect. But, you know, he, he's not a finished product offensively anyway. There's reason, like, I'll put you like this. I'm a lot more optimistic about what I think Ubre is going to do on Christmas Day, kind of bouncing back from an effort like this and, and really collectively. Like, okay, let's see what you got. Is it is it a, a foregone conclusion that Draymond's not playing on uh, on Christmas or is, or is there still holding out hope? I, I think at this point it's unlikely, but I don't think he's been officially ruled out yet for Friday. And it'd be nice to have him. Like, Draymond, let's go, okay? Team needs you right now. Let's go. Strap it up. Ice it up. Tape it up. Get Give out me there. what I want! Thank you. Let's play. Let's. Uh, we're we're going to go ahead and wrap up the Warriors wrap-up portion of the evening. We'll come back, uh, and we'll flip it into the final word. We're, we're still going to be talking dubs. We'll take your phone calls, 888-957-9570. Marcus Grant will join us at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, as he does every Tuesday. We'll get into some other conversation, but the next hour is basically still going to be uh, Warriors. I, I've also got some notes here from the great Raymond Ritter uh, about where James Weissman's night fell in Warriors rookie history that we can get to uh, on the other side as we get into the final words. So thanks to Sterling for hanging out with us. Thanks to to Bobby and and Mauser, who's going to continue to be here as we take you all the way up until 10 o'clock. Final word is coming up next, but it's still JD. It's still Covey right here on 95.7 The Game.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.